Hello and welcome to Thrash Life episode five. It's me, your boy, here with your boy, Kyle, as well. Today we're going to be interviewing Brian Noel Jr., metal man from Hagerstown. Used to have some long hair. Might still have some long hair. We'll have to check in on yeah, his long hair. Check in on that hair. First, we're going to talk about not news. Nope. No, this is going to be released. Uh, should be released Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve right? yeah. yeah. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. If you celebrate or, uh, you know, Merry whatever else. Happy holidays. Yeah, whatever. Just have a good night. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the day off. You probably got the day off um we're gonna talk about our top five fives from this year uh top five favorites in a couple of categories just wrapping up what we really liked in 2021 really weird year and uh we'll start it off since this is obviously a podcast about music we're gonna talk about the top five music acts that we got into this year all right i'll start <laughs> fuck i'll start with my number five um this year i got into Wolfpack, um which is a joe dart yeah a, a funk collective with uh i believe nate smith on drums and the songs aren't particularly long or uh I don't know, progressive. They're not noodling around like funk and, and jazz and stuff usually does. They kind of get straight to the point, but man, Steady is it catchy. Drive. Yeah. Music. yeah. And Joe Dart, I mean, he's a killer bass player. He's pretty hot in the game right now. Big, big name at the moment. Yeah. And they have uh, the Fearless Flyers and yeah. some other associated acts that all kind of sound similar. Uh, but yeah, that's been a lot of my uh listening in the past year oh, yeah. my number five what's your number five uh my number five is pop music in general my uh i have a daughter she's almost six and she's recently discovered that there are songs that she likes more than others ah yeah and so i get to listen to them on repeat Hell yeah. Which actually I think is kind of cute because I remember those days when you just get hooked on one song and it's all you want to hear. Mm -hmm. so. so you get uh, Olivia Rodrigo yeah, and uh, yeah. Taylor Swift and everybody else. Yeah, and a lot of um, actually digging up of old stuff that I didn't even know existed because it makes like a, a comeback on Roblox as like a remix. Oh. And I got to find out what this song is and look it up. Huh, Roblox. Okay. Yeah. For my number four, I have the thrash metal act Power Trip. Now, the lead singer Riley Gale recently uh, passed away, and unfortunately, I didn't discover this band until after that happened. I had listened to them a couple times uh, coming through Spotify shuffles or, or whatnot, and it never really struck me, but the album... Uh, oh, jeez. The, the last album that they put out was, uh, I believe it was Nightmare Logic, and it was just super sick. Uh, they did a bunch of these shows that made their way onto the internet uh, eventually in people's houses. Like there's a, there's a video of House of Strombo where they're playing, and it's all black and white. Killer set. And um, 
dude just had like a real presence that like i think i just glossed right the fuck over originally yeah, i think i'm guilty of that as well and yeah that was just uh that's probably been the heaviest thing that i've been listening to aside from hammerhead uh which is just honorable mention hammerhead a group right. of 16 year olds doing some interesting thrash but nice. you know power trip uh definitely yeah, they get the edge yeah <laughs> <laughs> so my number four is um Generally old country, but really been getting into a lot of the stuff that like Willie Nelson does, uh, and a lot of the other guys. I like how it's sort of like um, similar in a way to like '90s gangster rap, where you'll have like five big names on one song, and they'll all do like a similar verse with their oh, own yeah, spin yeah. on it. And I'm just been really into those kind of things lately. I've spent a lot of time driving for work. Yeah. Something about driving through the farm, smelling that cow shit, and just listening <laughs> to country music. This is one of the first years I've actually gotten into country as well. Uh, n- nothing that's actually made my top five yet, but uh, I used to be completely shut off to it, and yeah. it's definitely something that's coming along now. Yeah, I like. I mean, it, the classic country's good. I can't say much for what's going on on the radio these days with country. Yeah, the post uh, post nine eleven country is definitely almost a genre in itself as yeah. they decided to instantly rebrand themselves <laughs> on that day. But uh, yeah. so my number three is Adam Neely slash his band Sungazer. Um, I've never heard of it. Adam Neely is a YouTube personality who's a bass player. He's actually was from Silver Spring and he went to Berkeley, I believe, to mm-hmm. learn bass stuff and music right. stuff and jazz stuff. And then um, he plays with, I believe, uh, Sean Crowder, uh, a drummer who also went to Berkeley. And so Sungazer's music and Adam Neely's music is. Um, has a lot of sample based stuff the drummer used the sample pads within the kit oh, I like so that. and like also multiple snares multiple hi-hats so you're getting a lot of like unconventional drum beats in odd time signatures with sampled uh video game and and mu- movie clips and stuff like this uh incorporated into the beat and then adam neely himself also using samples on a piano in front of him while he's also has a bass around him so they'll have some really sweet bass leads with this like uh it's it's like a two-man band that actually gets pretty thick in the in in the music that they create um adam neely i came across because he made a great one hour video uh i think it was this year about how music theory pretty much came from western white dudes with uh powdered wigs and shit Mm -hmm. like that and like uh, the way that we think about music theory is directly influenced from European colonial shit. And they, they kind of um, don't place a lot of emphasis on the way that people made music historically throughout like the world, just like banging yeah, on rocks. Or, like, it's almost like you know credits given for the invention of music to all these piano composers yeah yeah and it's like there were definitely earlier forms of music that didn't follow these rules yeah and like notes like being you know a b c d e f g and stuff like that like certain cultures don't adhere to the same frequencies and and things like that but yeah what's your number three uh my number three is a philadelphia based grind band called ground 
ground. Okay. Mm. Not not your typical grind band. They actually refer to themselves as false grind. Okay. There's uh Is that a ironic? Lot of hardcore in there. There's like a uh, like a phrase that's like death to false grind. So they just yeah, like owned it. They embraced it. Yeah. yeah okay. They cool. Are the false grind. Nice. But yeah, just good heavy stuff. Right on. They got uh, a bunch of music out. Yeah, they, they um, you know, I can't even think of the one album that I've been listening to a lot. I could look it up, but we don't need to waste right, right. the time on it. But uh, it's pretty much just this, their most recent album is the one I've been listening to a lot. Right on. As with a lot of grind bands, sometimes if I just put like their Spotify on and hit the the mix, I'll get some, some stuff where it's like, all right, that's three songs that totaled like 33 seconds. Yeah, It's yeah. not really like what i'm into yeah and they, they they get a little bit more involved they have some some pretty good music writing chops you said philly based right yeah well what up ground maybe we can play a show with you someday in some of our projects yeah that are uh all looped under the medusa head media yeah, umbrella definitely we get some grind going look to i mean i played a show with them once before in a grind band that i played in it was excellent set that's kind of when it Ah, okay. On them. Right on. For my number two, I have a band, all capital letters, Mass of the Fermenting Dregs. And this is a Japanese band. Uh, a lot of Ooh. Japanese music I've uh, always listened to, but I'm always getting deeper and deeper into it. So this year I really started uh, the year listening to Tricot and... Um, some American bands that are kind of influenced by Japanese uh, stuff that they're doing. But Mass of the Fermenting Dregs is like kind of a post-punk, post-hardcore um, Very thing. good name. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, they have a lot, of, um, a lot of different styles in there, but it's, it's all got good production. And uh, from what I understand, they have played the U.S. before. There's like a, you know, obviously a big obstacle and going back and forth from japan right now oh, yeah. and some other countries but you know japan's actually one of the tighter ones kind of hard to get in, in and out of there right now so i hope to see this band in the future but they are pretty tight uh check out mass of the fermenting dregs i know i will <laughs> what about your number two um my <laughs> uh, number two is a name that i've been seeing for quite some time on like the I guess larger sort of festival circuit, and um, we'd been offered an opportunity early in the year to open for this person, and it didn't work out. But that's when I started listening to Amigo the Devil. Ah, right. And it on. was not what I was expecting, but I do really enjoy it. Yeah, Amigo the Devil's got some cool, uh, really passionate lyrics. Yeah, oh yeah, very emotional. I guess. Yeah, I would yeah, say, but. Just, uh, you know, I think music it helps you experience the world, and sometimes you just need something that's not so aggressive or just fun-based. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here we are at number one. What yeah. You got? My number one is Lewis Cole and also his band with uh, Genevieve called Knower. Uh, I did not know about Lewis Cole until this year. And when I found out about them, I went on a huge deep dive into a bunch of the stuff. This came up through YouTube algorithms, uh, bouncing around different bands. Uh, 
Thundercat, for instance, has played extensively with Lewis Cole. They kind of like trade uh, spots on songs, like back and forth between right. the Thundercat and and Lewis Cole. And uh, also, just Lewis Cole is really well known in the in this new wave of jazz scene. I don't know if it actually has like a proper name like that, but. Yeah. Um, new jazz with the nu yeah yeah it's like some people call it like acid jazz and some yeah. other stuff it's got um these really fast uh beats that were kind of uh something that you'd hear from a drum machine before but now like the drummers are catching up and like yeah. kind of playing almost uh, exclusively hi-hat and snare work yeah yeah just super fast yeah. uh going back and forth between these uh patterns but Lewis Cole also has like hilarious themes and uh, improvised um, solos from multiple members of the band. It kind of reminds me of like a, a young Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention Same sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of a lot of creative influences in there, and some of the songs are just like fucking hilarious. Like uh, the government knows that you masturbate. Uh, it's like a whole song about how the government's wa- watching you through your webcam uh, <laughs> while you yeah. blast off. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's just uh, a, a great stuff, you know. Um, the, some of the stuff's kind of weird. Like there's a song called "My Buick," which is it sounds like a uh, it's it's a very horn based, so it sounds yeah. like a Buick that's like fucking up and like you know with all the yeah. weird percussion and stuff that's going on, you kind of blast that out of your windows, you know, when yeah. you're driving down the street and people are like, "What the fuck is yeah. this is music? <laughs> yeah, yeah, is your car broken?" <laughs> but yeah, this it's it's great jams. So I mm. I definitely suggest if you haven't checked out Lewis Cole, check out Lewis Cole and the band Knower. Yeah, alrighty, my number one. Just makes me so damn happy all the time. Mono Neon. Oh yeah. I have just more than anything been listening to Mono Neon this year. Um, another name that I'd always heard as like a killer bass player, mm-hmm. without ever really realizing, it's also a musical composer that puts out you know real songs instead of just videos of them yeah, playing yeah. and doing stuff. And so I discovered his music. I'm extremely impressed. His his voice is great he plays the guitar as well i imagine he is involved in the drumming on his music too but i haven't really looked into if there's any other players on his albums or not yeah his uh i know he's done a lot of collaborations with uh jd beck and domi jd beck being like mm-hmm. super sick 16 year old drummer and domi being uh, okay. a fairly young uh piano player and yeah, the, the the music's been creeping on my Spotify as well, so it's, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, good. An album of him collaborating with a bunch of good jazz players, it's like the Tiny Room Sessions or something like ah, that. Okay. So that's a good one for it's your instrumental jazz. There's no... Maybe no we should do that in here. If you'd like to see some Tiny Room Sessions in the Orion Studios Medusa Head Media Room, yeah, let us know. That could be fun. By leaving a comment on this YouTube video. Stoked to get Mono Neon in here. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. But anyone on our level is welcome yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, let's talk top five uh, non-music entertainment or music adjacent, adjacent uh, streaming, podcasts, YouTube, Twitch, and TV yeah. sort of stuff. All right, I'll start off. My number five is a YouTuber that I watch a lot of, again, Due to my daughter taking over the TV, <laughs> it's a guy called Dak Blake. Okay, and uh, what he does is 
He plays the game Hello Neighbor. All right. But he heavily mods things so that mm. the game won't react correctly, and he's just always goofing off. And it's weird because he's a really good beatboxer, and he works it into, like, his children's podcast. <laughs> he's just, like, a, a weird guy, but if you look him up, he's been doing it since he was a little kid himself. And ah, now okay. he's, like, older, and he's heavily monetized, so I respect his, uh, you know. His grind. Right on. And of all the things I'm forced to watch, he's the most tolerable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number five is Rudy Ayub, who is a guitar player who makes meme videos on YouTube. Uh, well, half meme videos and half uh, some, like, react videos where he uh, looks for people's bands and then... Or people submit his bands. He doesn't go out looking for them. Right. Um, but people submit bands to him and he kind of shits on them. Or um, if not shit, uh, just is very Roast real. Some. Yeah, it's 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 good natured, but it's also real. Um, you know, you might say something like, uh, oh, yeah, you guys are like the best metalcore in the band in the, in the world. But like, yeah. so what? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I, I, I've watched that with you in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into if you submit your music to him. I yeah. Feel like so. He does a bunch of those videos where he plays both roles, uh, like uh, a guitar student talking to a guitar teacher, and yeah. all beyond both so both acting things, and just yeah. like short two minute videos, just ripping on guitar player shit. Yeah. So, I recommend. Yeah. So for number four. Um, really only handle so much real world news so i listen to a show every morning while i drink my coffee called today explained where they just pick one large news story cover it for about 30 minutes and that way at least i know one thing that people are talking about <laughs> every day. right my number four is davy 504 oh, okay. uh bass player not in a band that I'm aware of, not a music producer type guy like Adam Neely. Um, Davey like 504 Jared makes... Jared Dines type. Yeah, he makes bass memes. Yeah. Uh, he gets in like bass battles. Oh, that's uh, right. He plays like the two-string bass. He'll, yeah, I mean, any bass, stuff, really. He'll yeah. be like uh, gold strings or, you know, what if we play the bass with one string? What if we play the bass with 12 strings? Yeah. Every video is just sort of a bass meme. And he'll often play uh, very popular intros to TV shows and stuff like that on bass. So, oh, okay. um, pretty funny guy. Lives in Indonesia. Occasionally does some nice stuff, like gives out a bunch of free bases and stuff like that. So, nice. Well, for my number three uh, is a podcast about football called Around the NFL. Okay, it comes out twice a week. I think maybe sometimes three times a week. And they just, they generally just cover the games that have happened. But I've been listening to it for a while. And it, it's one of those things where the, the, it's like a one sided sort of like friendship thing where like you get to know the hosts. They don't know me. They don't know oh, anything right, about me. Yeah. But like I just generally like them as people. Yeah, the I personal like to report. Yeah. To them, you know? And uh, this past year, one of them passed away from cancer. So it's been. An interesting spin because they've definitely been affected by it in their podcast. Like mm. they've been open about it, so it's been more than just football this year. Listening to it, but 
I just uh, yeah, shout out to the around the NFL guys. Yeah, I like our, that podcast. Our condolences from the Thrash Life podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, my number three is Sea uh, Dog VA slash Trash Taste. Uh, Trash Taste is a podcast. Sea Dog VA is a guy named Connor who's a voice actor. He's Welsh, but he yeah. lives in Japan. Hmm. And he and some other guys do a podcast about their lives in Japan uh, as expats uh, from uh, Britain and Australia. And it's a very interesting weekly two hours, usually having to do with um, typical Japanese stuff, not actually anime that often or like manga or video game so they do reference it it's mostly about like actually living in a different place and like the logistics of travel and they and they also do a lot of youtube videos um the individual people like sea dog va where they go to different places in japan have like a 20 minute video of you know cat island or or yeah. some shit so something really interesting because japan is is just content gold mine as yeah. far as like weird <laughs> shit going on everywhere that's what what is the trash taste aspect of that so trash taste is just what they named their podcast because i guess they they feel they have trash taste which occasionally they do and other times it's just kind of funny it's uh, for a second i thought it was a different podcast that my wife watches all a lot that's um these two guys in philly and it's called are you trash Ah. and it's like very like wood pan like their set is like a wood panel basement <laughs> with like the there's blue tin Danish cookies oh, okay. <laughs> sitting there and like all kinds of stuff in the background that's just like typical like Philly Baltimore kind of like, yeah 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 things like that but yeah Dude. so that'd be an honorable mention for me and I don't really that's not really my thing necessarily <laughs> right on I thought that's what you were talking about I was gonna be pretty surprised there nah yeah so my number two is a podcast called Monsters Among Us, which is um, sort of like what Art Bell used to do. It's like, but it's in a podcast form where people will call in and tell their weird and creepy, unexplained stories about UFOs or cryptids or any sorts of things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the host is kind of just there to guide you along. He generally, though he is like a believer in this stuff, always gives like, skeptic point of view and tries to tries to disprove things so that it feels Uh, a little bit more legitimate because he's not like totally buying in he'll often like be like oh i've heard of this phenomenon before and it's actually this explained thing that's going on right my number two is uh wusha central which is a channel on twitch that is up usually 24 hours a day um what it is is super pirated bootlegged old you know chinese martial arts movies just constantly streaming with uh the worst dubs ever and it's uh like it's become almost like a ritual now like in the past i might have turned on my computer after i get home and i might have popped on facebook or youtube now almost exclusively i pop on twitch and i pop on wusha central first just to see what sort of fucking gonzo ass movie they're playing 
because this I, I like the shaw scope stuff i like the stuff that uh all of you you know bruce lee and jackie chan and everything used to be in but there's a lot of these movies that were buried and like i don't know who has the rights to them but they're just they're not out there they're not particularly good movies either right. so i it's not like you really should go looking for them like sort of the charm of them though, yeah yeah bad. they're like super grainy it's like you know like you're talking like less than 240p like you know oh, like wow. six, 16p or something <laughs> like you could put this thing on a on a flip phone it's but yeah. all, all the audio is there and uh the they usually have about around 100 people watching at a time so the chat like whenever something like everybody's pretty quiet but whenever something happens in chat everybody gets to be like what the fuck is this movie yeah. like all, all of a sudden it just erupts with you know all the all the information dumping about what's right. going on Number one. My number one is a podcast called True Crime Garage. Um, another thing I've been listening to for years, but it's pretty dominant on my priorities. Like when podcasts drop, I usually listen to it right when it comes out. It's uh, about an hour, hour and a half, two episodes a week, and they just cover true crime cases. And uh, it's a cool podcast because it started very much like what we're doing with just two guys in a garage that wanted to start a podcast nice and they weren't very good <laughs> they got better <laughs> that's what we're trying to do yeah trying and to get it's, better it's a pretty top level podcast now if you're into true crime it's like you know top three okay out there my number one is the podcast this land which uh released season two this year um this land is a podcast by native americans telling native american stories about how fucked up like it still is it's like all the, all the sort of stuff that kind of gets swept up in the rug uh, swept up under the rug or like uh very confused and mixed up because if you're not a person who lives on a reservation you probably don't understand the ins and outs about how the reservations interact with the people that are around the reservation like the right. like the other municipalities and stuff like that Season one was about uh, a murder case in which uh, murder took place on uh, possibly Indian land, possibly not, which opened right. up the discussion of what is Indian land, what does it mean to be part of a tribe. Right. Um, it's a common talking point that if you know uh, if you're saying that a tribe is based upon just native american blood then that's racist and we're not racist in america so you have to get rid of the tribe because the tribe is racist which is just you know circular bullshit logic to try to like kick these people who are uh, historically extremely disparaged you know right. like we we kick this like proverbial can across the fucking country and yeah. they're still shitting on the reservations in any yeah. way that they can that's actually been uh popular theme this year in a lot of true crime is the uh the missing and murdered indigenous women yes yes just like it it doesn't even get swept under the rug it just stays on top of the rug because because of what you're talking about with the way that both municipalities just look at the other one and be like i don't know it's not my problem it's your problem and so then it just never gets solved and nobody does anything yeah and it's to the point now where predatory people know that they can go to the reservation and it's just yeah no law they can do anything they want there yeah so season two deals with uh another phenomenon that happens to native americans which is that 
people try to adopt Native American children um, mm. because uh, because they're wanting to adopt for a variety of reasons. Yeah. But there is a law on the books called uh, EQUA, which prevents you, or it doesn't prevent you. It gives first choice for placement to Native American families so that Native Americans don't get separated and dispersed and essentially systematically uh, disassembling a tribe right. by just like giving all the kids away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, forcibly in the past, they, they went to schools and just took the kids. Like, so there's like a history here where it's yeah. like, it's not even necessarily that anybody was a bad parent or anything. Right. Historically, it's really shitty. But um, these uh, evangelical people who feel the need to adopt as many people as possible also feel the need to stick their nose in this stuff and it is a fascinating story i don't want to spoil the whole thing i think it's worth listening to in somebody else's voice yeah than my own because i'm not going to do it justice at all hmm. I'll, I'll listen to that one that sounds sort of up my alley and similar to uh i think it was season three came out this year of a podcast called up and vanished that's about a, a native american woman that was presumably murdered she's just mm -hmm. been gone for a long time but it's like in real time he goes to the reservation and starts like talking to people until he puts the case together and then but you know it kind of just ended without any resolution right so. yeah it's 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 tough yeah. anyway let's switch to some some happy stuff top five foods that we ate this year all right so my number five Earlier this year, I went to help a friend move, and we went to Boston. And on that day, we went to Cusser's Roast Beef and Seafood. It is on the side of a place called Moon Cusser, which is like a very, like, really fancy, like, seafood place. They got filthy mouth in that place? I, I have no idea. <laughs> so on the side, there's like a, a – it's like the same kitchen, I guess. There's like a just a, a window on the side and you can order you know some of their items being like a lobster roll and a roast beef sandwich is uh, what they're really known for yeah. um so my buddy got the lobster roll um and i got the roast beef sandwich and this is like the best roast beef sandwich i like i would consider i mean obviously there's a lot of other stuff going on in boston that i can do as well but if i go yeah. to boston i'm gonna have to get this sandwich again yeah. it is that good hmm. So, I'd have to get the lobster roll. I've never had like a real lobster. The roll lobster roll there. was pretty good. It yeah. was it was good too. I've never had a lobster roll before, but yeah, I tried I some of his, so, and yeah. I was like, "It's good." Like yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> alrighty. So my number five would be actually a food that I missed out on this year. Really love Thrasher's French fries at uh, the beach, and well, I did make it to the beach this year. It was. You know, still sort of COVID-y. So, like, Thrashers, you can see the people sweating on the French fries while they're, like, <laughs> making them. So. Yeah, yeah. Just wasn't really comfortable with that level of uh, I'm sure the salt balances it out, maybe. But hopefully I'll be able to get back to a world where I can eat someone else's sweat on my French fries. Yeah, Thrashers French fries, famous Ocean City staple. Yeah, yeah. Um, my number four, Brussels sprouts. Would you believe... That if you cut a Brussels sprout in half, drizzle it with some olive oil, hit it with blackened seasoning, preferably Zatarain's blackened seasoning. I think what you really want in here is some MSG to really bring out them flavors. So if you don't have the Zatarain's, you can get some other blackened seasoning and then add accent on top, which is the MSG stuff you can get yeah. from the store. Um, 
Yeah, the the way that I've had Brussels sprouts before would be like steamed in butter, which is fine. But this like roasted Brussels sprout, oily, oily Brussels sprout is, is real good. Mm. Now, I feel like a lot of people don't make Brussels sprouts correctly. And if you make Brussels sprouts correctly, they are delicious and you will love them and you should I, try I it out. I completely agree. I usually <laughs> make them with uh, bacon fat instead of ah. butter. But I have also taken to, um, like, say you want something with, like, a cabbage element to it, but you don't want to buy a whole head of cabbage. You yeah. just get a bag of Brussels sprouts and chop mm. them up. You got, like, a cabbage thing going yeah, on Yeah, that's there. a good plan. But for me, I'm sort of not really allowed to eat Brussels sprouts because of the gas that they uh. cause for me. <laughs> okay. It is bad. It is like the worst food. <laughs> like it just sets me off. Mm, not me, but yeah, oh. oh, I love them. Yeah. So, um, for me, there is a um, place. Actually, you've been there. It used to be called Reliance Cafe. It okay, was a bar, and it's gone through several different restaurants. And finally, a Jamaican jerk place has stuck, and uh, just. Regular jerk chicken and rice from Ooh. that place is really good. This it's, is in New York. Yeah, and it's like right near where I work. So if I want to grab it for lunch, it's pretty easy to just pop in and get it. Well, shit, I'm going up there later. I might have to get some jerk chicken. Yeah, there's a, and there's another jerk place, too, that I haven't tried yet. But uh, I've heard good things about that one as well. It's uh, on North George Street. Used to be a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> right on. <laughs> My uh my number three food this year, homemade curry. So at the grocery store they sell S and B curry, which is uh the brand from Japan. It's like a curry cube, and you essentially make a pot roast. You just like stewed some sort of stewed protein. Um, if you're doing tofu, I would suggest not doing the tofu the whole time you cook it and do the tofu oh, at yeah. the end. But uh, otherwise, if you're doing a meat, you have it in there simmering all day. You know, carrots, potatoes, other vegetables to your liking. And get yourself a tagine. Yeah. <laughs> I do have some tagine at oh, home, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you throw in these cubes, you throw in some water, and it's kind of like a gravy base. But Japanese curry is similar to British curry. It's just a... Uh, even if they call it spicy, it's kind of mild spicy. Yeah. But uh, it's it's just great prep food. Like we have a we got a giant Dutch oven uh, last mm. year or the beginning of this year, and we make a ton of curry, and then we bag it up, and uh, we just have curry for dinner like mm. four nice. nights out of the week. And it's love it, some braised meat. It never gets old. It's wild because like yeah, it's uh, the spices. Probably. Yeah, the spices and I, you know, it has that MSG. Let me rep their MSG again. You gotta have that MSG in <laughs> there. It's so good. It makes your stuff taste so good. So yeah, homemade curry, Japanese style. I would totally suggest it. Also, you gotta get some jasmine rice because you get oh, some yeah. bullshit like minute rice. Yeah. No, jasmine rice uh -huh. sets it off. You get some curry, some rice. Yeah. Man, it is it is real good. Yeah, I've actually discovered jasmine rice at home this year yeah yeah it's, jasmine rice is the, where it's at the rice yeah yeah so uh what do we have here is this number three for me yeah uh well this one's pretty easy went to uh a wedding this past summer 
and I got a filet and crab cake, mm. which is something I traditionally wouldn't order at a restaurant because I'm more of a quantity over quality uh, okay. guy. <laughs> yeah. But goddamn, it was delicious, mm. and I may have to rethink my approach to menus after this. Where was this wedding at? It was at the Rehoboth Beach Country Club. Okay. Yeah. Shout out Rehoboth Beach, Beach Country Club. Yeah, yeah, congrats, Matt and Kat. Right on. Congrats. Um, my number two. So this year for our wedding anniversary, I took my partner to Walt Disney World. And while we were there, we went to Epcot, where they had the Food and Wine Festival. Uh, a lot of good individual booths, which tons of stuff, tons of tons of booze, tons of good food, vegan food, oh, yeah, like but, everything. Didn't you try a bunch of different sodas? Yeah, yeah. a bunch of different, all the different Coca-Cola sodas and yeah. stuff like that. And um, one of the things that got me was Spanakopita, which is like a, it's, I believe, spinach and feta cheese in like a phyllo dough, like a thin pie crust, like made into a triangle and like golden brown oven yeah. and um i haven't had this in years and i remember like upon seeing it i was just like i haven't had this in years <laughs> so i got it and i was like this is fucking amazing and since then i've picked up some fan of computer from some other places it's not easy to get first of all yeah, and it's not really easy to make either, it's not it's easy not to make. make it for yourself so the other ones that i got have not been as good as the food and wine festival spana capita at the grease pavilion um they were doing a thing with uh ratatouille so it was like if you get a bunch of different cheese things you get like some sort of cheese award yeah um i didn't win the cheese award i wasn't trying to load up on cheese all day but yeah. this made a computer amazing would definitely suggest the food and wine festival at epcot it was a blast i think it runs like half a year every year so uh, okay so it's not hard to schedule it's not hard to schedule it just it means that you have to be in florida in the summer as opposed to like you know, us being up north or, you know, middle of uh, north. Yeah. Uh, kind of we, we, east. Yeah, we, like, you typically want to leave the cold and go down there and enjoy the warmth. But yeah. uh, it's it's pretty hot down there. So it was also a little bit hard to eat and drink with it being like 90 degrees. Yeah. But it was, yeah. it was fine. We make do. We make it yeah. work. So my number two. Uh, I did not make it to the original location in Pittsburgh, but I would like to. But we've got a Permanti Brothers in York now. Whoa! And uh, I just got the Permanti Burger. Just, you know, regular burger with a bunch of French fries on it. Right on. And it was one of the better burgers I've had. Good enough to be number two on my list here. Mm. I had the opportunity to go over there to the Hagerstown one. Oh, okay. But I didn't take it. Why not? I was actually doing my mass vaccination back when the vaccine first yeah. rolled out. I went all the way out there to Hagerstown, got my vaccine, and I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel, so uh, I want to get on the road and get back home in case I feel like shit in yeah. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number one, just talked about being at Walt Disney World. We stayed at the Coronado Springs Resort, and at the top of the Coronado Springs Resort is the Dahlia Lounge, as well as some other like really fancy steak place on the other side but we get there we're like walking around disney world all day you know i had we had stayed somewhere close but we had pulled into disney at 7 a.m to get our cards they told us our room was ready already which it wasn't supposed to be ready until 3 p.m so we uh we get to move into our room early 
uh, get our like passes and everything. Have a really extremely long day at Disney World. The first day, this yeah. is this was our actual anniversary day, and we get back. We do uh, Disney Springs and some other stuff. And eleven thirty p.m., we roll into this place that closes at twelve, and we're like. I need something to eat and I need as many cocktails as I can feed into myself yeah. before this place closes. So I get a nice old fashioned and I get the ham and cheese bocadillo at the Dahlia lounge. And let me tell you, I've never had a fucking sandwich that tasted this good. What, I'm not sure. What is a bocadillo? It's like, so it's a toasted baguette, like not a, a whole baguette. It's like a mm-hmm. small baguette. Um, some sort of very fancy smoked, delicious cheese, some mm-hmm. sort of delicious, uh dijon spread as well as like this ham was not just like some oscar meyer shit this was like some really fancy like you know charcuterie ham thing and the the combination of all these things the the salt and the fat and everything and maybe it was just because i had walked 16 miles around disney world and been up since you know 6 a.m that day running around but uh oh my god this was like easily the tastiest thing like uh, when it was ordered i was like yeah whatever we're eating you know bar yeah. food and then like you bite into it and it was like holy holy shit like what the hell this has no right being this good <laughs> but yeah that's definitely my top and uh one of the major influencing factors in me considering hightailing it right back there is yeah. the next opera a next uh possible opportunity yeah. that i get in. Well, my number one this year i've gotten pretty heavily into seafood i found a good seafood market in york which is not that easy to find being that we're not very close to the water yeah yeah. and um just started off you know just trying out all the different kinds of fish um i've always been into raw oysters like served at a restaurant or something like that Mm -hmm. but always been a little bit intimidated by the prospect of shucking them at home right and so one time i was in there and i just bought a couple and wasn't really that difficult to do so got into raw i've had more raw oysters this year than probably the whole rest of my life oh wow <laughs> like enough that i've been like I, my i have a favorite oyster type oh like okay moonstone oysters are huh tops for me nice but yeah just raw oysters in general is my number one for I, sure i've never gotten into oysters or no. or clams or mussels or yeah anything else like that so maybe eventually i'll try raw it oysters just essentially tastes like the essence of the ocean so it's okay it's just briny put a little cocktail sauce on it and slurp it down yeah, yeah. or they give you a little tangy fork <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I like cute things, so yeah. maybe I'll be into it. Yeah. So let's talk about the top five things that we did this year, our pastimes. Sorry. You're number five. Uh, my number five. I kind of have to qualify it as a pastime to make myself feel better about how little money I allow them to pay me for this <laughs> new job that I've gotten into, but I pretty much... Uh, roll tires around and drive them places and just driving in general i i enjoy my time driving so i've been doing a ton of just driving around listening to music nice yeah i got that on my list too a little further down uh my number five is pillars of eternity this game that is on steam and every console 
Um, it is a clone, maybe not a clone, a reimagining, maybe not a reimagining, a furthering of the old game Baldur's Gate. Not Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, just the real Baldur's Gate that was on PC. And it has to deal with ghosts and wizards and robots and putting ghosts in robots mm. and wizard ghosts and wizard robots. It's it's uh it's tactical. It's That's, kind of um, uh, actually my number four as well. So oh okay, I've, I've, <laughs> I beat the first one. Nice. Didn't complete the second one yet. Yeah yeah, I've not even started into the second one, and I'm grinding away still at the first one to get every little secret thing because I'm just a yeah, completionist I didn't, I didn't like that. Do the completionist aspect. I just got through the storyline. Yeah, I probably have like eighty hours into it at this point. Yeah. It's a pretty fun game. It's an excellent game. It really yeah. is. There's a lot of thought into it. It was actually kickstarted, and there's a lot of things in the game that were uh, drawn from the community who paid to oh, finance okay. the game. So yeah, one of the, I mean those types of games. I just I love loot. I like to get loot. And there's so a much loot. Of loot! Oh my god! And they don't penalize you either. They're like, yeah, you can just like Carry teleport it. all this shit into your stash yeah. and everything. So you just have so much gear. Oh, yeah. Um. So I guess now we're at your number three though, because. Well, yeah, well, my number four is, oh, okay. uh, yeah, that's right. that was my number four. is Magic the Gathering, which uh, is a game that I've played for so freaking long. Let me tell you, since I was like 14 or something, or maybe actually, no, since I was like in middle school, some kid taught me how to play yeah. Magic the Gathering and Boy Scouts yep. on a trip or something. And I've been playing this on and off for a while. Um, I used to do competitive grinding sort of stuff uh whenever i had time all of that is dried up during the pandemic so i've gotten a lot more into the collection aspect this year and there's been a lot of cool things that they did to make it easy to collect so uh, they came out with the dungeon dragon set that had alternate arts that looked like the dungeon and dragons monster manual and had a lot of iconic characters from all the novels that I grew up with and stuff oh, like okay. that. So I've definitely just collected oh, a lot of man, bullshit I cards. Magic the Gathering novels. I forgot all about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've just, uh, I've been having a lot of fun just silently growing my collection without talking too much about it. And um, obviously I have a lot of really powerful decks or whatever yeah. people say um but for me the the thrill is just kind of in, in having these boxes full of shit that i just pop out and look at sometimes right, yeah. i just like it i just think it's neat yeah i was into <laughs> magic the gathering when i was around high school age as well got out of it and uh this past year i've i got into the online version quite heavily for a short period of time but just uh, like, I guess the the internet has sort of broken a lot of things for me in the yeah. way that highly competitive people will just like skip what is to me the fun part of figuring things out right. and just go look it up. And then, you know, get your chance to figure it out because you just get stomped by these people that are like, <laughs> you know, just spamming the same strategies. Yeah. And so you, you and I naturally don't want to use that strategy because it's the one everybody's using. Yeah. And it just kind of takes the fun out of it. The design has been uh, kind of lacking within the past couple of years as far as the gameplay goes. So it's actually a good time for them to not have a competitive circuit because I yeah. don't necessarily want to be 
in these uh, things where it's it's not even rock paper scissors. It's just two sides of a coin or or something for strategy sometimes. Yeah. So, um, is what it is. Yep. How about your number three? Uh, my number three would be that I've had a uh, reignition in my interest in pedals and effects. Ooh. Which I've built my first pedal board this year. It's been messing around with some new new pedals that I haven't used in the past and bringing out some old ones and just having a general uh, interest to just play around and see what kind of weird noises I can make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've gotten into that as well. My number three, however, is cocktails. Mm. So my partner just bought me a bartending kit as well as two wafty tomes of knowledge of cocktail knowledge one of which has uh segments for how to make every drink on multiple budgets from a cheap budget to a really expensive budget and what kind of uh ingredients change up in the in the process of going from budget to expensive and then another one that is uh more about the ingredients themselves and how to focus on creating interesting uh, simple syrups and bitters by yourself and mm. making these uh, cocktails a little bit more personally and a little bit more um, in-depth uh, and stuff. And I've really just uh, fell in love this year with uh, scotch and whiskey and uh, mm. not in an unhealthy way. I have yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just a little bit occasionally. Uh, I, I like the um old-fashioned really opening up the flavor profiles of like different whiskeys and stuff and Mm. as well as just trying out a lot of different whiskey cocktails and gins and uh, kind of floating away from the vodka and stuff that i used to be really heavy into oh yeah i can't do vodka anymore my my go-to is tequila these days but i don't drink much liquor yeah tequila is the uh the territory that I'm the least familiar with still, yeah. but it's, there's not a lot of popular drinks mm-hmm. that I know of off the top of my head that you can just order. That's a tequila drink. Yeah. Alrighty. So my number two, I've also, um, come to the realization that my bass playing has been very stagnant and, uh, sort of laser focused on just one thing. Mm-hmm. And, just coming to a lot of the new music I discovered this year and just coming to the realizations that there's a lot more music out there to at least attempt to play and yeah. learn new things. Mono neon. So I've just <laughs> been interested in the bass as an instrument again rather than just like learning the songs that I'm supposed to know. Yeah. On it. Yeah. My number two is Road Trips. Um, I took a couple road trips this year. I took a couple road trips before I've, uh, in the past gone to the Grand Canyon, um, just in a car and whatnot. This year I went to Boston in a U-Haul to help my buddy. That was an eight hour drive. And then I also went, uh, later this year, all the way down to Key West, Florida from Baltimore and back up to Miami and Orlando and uh, uh, that place with the uh, St. Augustine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. And 
um, at the end of my my Florida trip, my my drive back from Florida was 16 and a half hours straight. And I was like, wow, I, I'm not sure if I could do road trips anymore. And it only took about a month until my my timer reset. And I was yeah. like, damn, I just can't wait to go back out on a road trip. And you, I'm not sure what it be is. careful with that. 16 and a half hours straight drive. Well, I mean, I, did, I stopped for, you know, to get food and go to the bathroom yeah, like, and stuff. If you drive commercially, by law, you're not allowed to drive more than 11 it's hours. It's true. This is why we're <laughs> driving personally instead yeah, of commercially. Well, yeah. Those laws are there for your sake. Yes, yes. Yeah. Luckily, all those truck drivers who are required to get off the road get off the road so I can drive. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really fun. I don't know. There's something about seeing the open road and the way that the uh, the trees and the earth itself changes around you oh, as, yeah. once you go far enough. Yep. It's just uh, it's really relaxing. I love just having a car with cruise control and going straight somewhere and one, going in a direction straight. So Yeah, I agree with you. I haven't had a lot of road trips recently, but I do love a good road trip. Yeah. My number one, um, this is extremely nerdy, I guess. But <laughs> I play the uh, EA Sports NHL franchise. Right now it's currently NHL 22 in a league setting. And uh, this game, unlike a lot of other sports games, has a mode where you play online and you just control one player, and that's it. So there's 12 people playing all at once, and your team is obviously six, and you you have to actually like play as a team and understand like hockey and stuff. And uh, I'm pretty terrible, but <laughs> I have managed to find a place in this league for the past five seasons. So nice. It's uh, to me, I, I enjoy. Uh, which I'm sure these other guys are probably just like big time hockey fans or whatever. But for me, it's almost like a role playing experience because of the uh, there's like a discord for your team. Ah. And so like I'll go into each season like like this past season. I was like, all right, this season, I'm just going to be like the perfect teammate. Good attitude about everything all the time. That's yeah, yeah. Like the role I'm going to play. And like in the past, I, I've been just intentionally disruptive just to see how that would go and get <laughs> traded a bunch yeah i mean it's all the the fun of hockey without having to invest in skates yeah. or getting fucked up on the yeah, ice you don't have to worry about any broken bones or missing teeth yeah or the gravel if you roller hockey yeah my number one in my top five pastimes for 2021 is learning guitar and vocals, which vocals at the beginning of this year, uh, we have been writing a few songs for the band that we're in that included me doing vocals at the same time as playing drums. So I had to learn how to multitask as well as make my diaphragm make noises that were coherent. And then... I decided All while running in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I decided to pick up guitar as well. So the ultimate goal is to learn how to do everything at least a little bit well. Yeah. And um helps me understand how to communicate with other musicians when we're not on the the shared language of music theory or genre or, you know, instrument or whatnot. So Yeah, I'd like to become competent at the guitar over the next year 
yeah, I, I never really learned uh, too much about guitar besides like uh, GCAD, right? The four open chords. And then like they were like, all right, now do this hand thing for the bar chord. And I'd be like, my hand's too fucking weak. I can't. The, the <laughs> yeah. last two strings just don't go down. I don't yeah. know what to do. So, uh, um, so for 10 years, I decided to play bass and drums and I haven't really touched guitar till this year yeah. and uh i'm just getting over the fact that i just have to train my hands to be stronger and actually be able to fret these things put my fingers in the right place so you don't have the buzzing notes and whatnot and yeah. so right now i'm practicing uh Old bad habits are hard to break oh yes <laughs> actually taking a 10-year break was actually kind of nice to unlearn some of the bad habits and right. come back with a fresh mind so yeah. learning uh, Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles, speaking oh, of pop okay. music, nice. and, uh, <laughs> you know, Montero by Little Nas X, and some other stuff that's actually just uh, a few simple chords to play, and also starting to get back into my bullshit that I was doing before, which was a lot of heavy chugga-chugga distortion palm muting these sort of things get these really metal tones and i just can't get away from it every time i have some distortion it's just yeah. just go into palm muting mode go duh, 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 you know it <laughs> just feels so good so it's 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 good um i'd really love to do more vocal applications and things where i'm not running at the same time yeah. so in 2022 as we move forward if you're uh, looking for a vocalist, maybe, just maybe, I'm not going to apply to any bands that are looking for anything very good because I'm not sure what my ability is, all things uh, said and done, but uh, I'd like to give it a try if you can put if up with it. just wants to come in here and collaborate on a song. Absolutely. And we're just both, I guess, uh, in the same place where we are looking to expand our musical horizons. Yeah. And I guess uh, addendum to number one, I didn't put this in here, but obviously we started this podcast this year in 2021. This is a production of Medusa Head Media, our new overarching umbrella for all projects that happen in this room. And editing has taken up so much time and learning how to tweak these levels and, and put cameras in the right place. I don't know. Does this camera angle look fine? If you're listening to this on a podcast, you probably don't even know. Yeah. You'll have to check out the YouTube for it. Yeah. yeah, we're firing on all cylinders with trying to learn new things. Absolutely. And I hope you're enjoying it so far. Right we're going to get into our interview with Mr. Brian Noel Jr., Metal Man of Hagerstown. <laughs> you sound like a cryptid. <laughs> He is not actually made out of metal that we know of. Might have to slip that into the questions. We'll see. Yeah. Are you, in fact, made of metal? We'd love to hear what your top fives are in any of these categories in the comments below. If you are watching this on YouTube, if you hate our faces and you're listening to the podcast, please leave a review on your podcast platform. We will see it. We will read it live-ish on the air yeah we'll do it but thank you so much for putting up with our thanks top fives for, this thanks year for sticking with us this long this yes is probably our longest segment so far by <laughs> double and we hope you have a great great holiday season to finish out the rest of the year let's go into our interview with brian noel jr 
see you. Could you introduce yourself and tell us your pronouns? Uh, my name's Brian Joseph Knoll Jr. Um, he, him. Cool. Um, what kind of music do you play? Um, right now, I play everything. <laughs> I'm mainly metal, punk rock, but um, I told you earlier, I grew up in the emo metalcore era mm -hmm. for, you know, got used to doing that because that was when i graduated high school like i think mitch lucker died my senior year mm. and i was huge as a science fan so i was influenced by them in that whole era um then you know my parents grew me up on 80s glam metal and country music like classic good country music not right. this modern pop crap um florida georgia line makes me want to vomit every time i hear them <laughs> on the radio so I grew up doing that, bluegrass, flat picking, and everything like that, um, plus a little bit classical flamenco guitar. Um, originally was uh, classically trained before I got into like death metal and all yeah. that other crazy stuff. Well, Gu Guitar-based music, heavy stuff, non-heavy stuff in the, in the past yeah, or current also. Yeah, um, no ransoms getting back together after a four-year hiatus. Long story short, I was in a pretty toxic relationship the past several years. Okay. And it's over, and the band got back together because we all had different things going on the past several years, plus the pandemic. And um, I was in also a botched autopsy for about a year, year and a half. Yeah. Right before my daughter was born, leading up to February last year. And their botched autopsy was straight death metal. Like, mm -hmm. I, the only way I can describe them was like our our lead singer Paul Paul Verizer. If um, anybody knows the um, punk band Scarecrow's Curse, or like a horror punk band, he's part of them. He was like the mastermind, and they're like, I guess you can take like White Zombie and mix it with I want to say Campbell Corpse almost with riffage and everything. Okay, you definitely got botched autopsy, plus a little bit of the theatrics and classic corpse paint oh nice. that was that was one of the gimmicks we were doing which was fun you know it was hella fun and um but their ransoms like um try to put this um heavy not heavy well we're, we're gonna try to go more um heavy with the guitars drums bass mm -hmm. but shay our lead singer she's like an amy winehouse Lana Del Rey fanatic, but oh, she's okay. also a punk too at heart. So probably clean vocals instead yeah, she of wants the to, typical. Because we used to strain back in the day, and she used to you know do all the screams and gutturals, and it really affected her. Okay, and she really couldn't continuously do that. So right. we want to dive back to vocals, and I know right now the whole trend with um, Spirit Box and Ginger, where they're like super heavy, but yeah, they, yeah. they don't rely on the super heavy vocals. They rely on the you know the cleans and actual yeah. vocal ac acrobatics. Turning the knobs back on some of the yeah. typical metal stuff. Yeah, but we um back in the day when No Ransom got together, like we were so over the place with punk, with metal, with more mainstream and underground sounds mm -hmm. in Western Maryland. We we were playing with death metal and like groove metal bands like disfigured and then we'll turn around and start playing with like the more mainstream bands like um i'm trying to think of a really good one 
I think it was Apollo's prophecy. Now they're breach of silence because breach of silence got back together. Okay. But that's one of the more mainstream bands we played with. So what kind of places do you play your music in? Um, <laughs> no Ransom was so over the place. Like I said, um, we've done house parties. Mm-hmm. I remember when the, one of the most memorable gigs we did, we played a show uh, two blocks down from the Hagerstown police department on Halloween. And we had the cops call us like five times <laughs> and before we had to shut it all down. And no, but then we play at like bars, diet bars, um, basements. We play everywhere. We, the new sound we're going to go for, we're going to go more of a streamlined mainstream sound. Okay. Like I said, try to get more digestible and then play some of the bigger venues. But I think, I think the best one yet was, um, my personal favorite. If you ever go out to Cumberland, Maryland, Mm Mm-hmm. The Embassy Theater out there. It's an old 1934s when it was built. And we did, um, I think it was called like um, St. Patty's Day Metal Mayhem or something like that. And for St. Patrick's Day, Cumberland was shut down the entire downtown area for like bar crawls and deals mm-hmm. and everything so everybody can go get, you know, plastered. And the Embassy put on metal shows. They're the only metal venue. Yeah. And. It was kind of awkward because they had like stuff set up for Easter behind us. You know, I did with botched autopsy and no ransom. It's kind of like weird when you're playing heavy metal and like there's Chris or there's Easter props behind you for all the kiddies next week for their imagery is clashing Christian um, like play or something like that. And yeah, that was that's probably my my favorite venue right there, but because it's old, it's historic. I'm a history nut. So right. just walking in there and just seeing everything, like, oh, that's pretty cool. Right on. Um, what's your earliest musical influence? When you first like came to the realization as a kid that music was a thing, and something suddenly slapped you across the face and was like, "Wow, like this is music." What what was that moment? Um, I always grew up around music. It, it's it's kind of a hard thing to pinpoint. I know. Um, just to show you where all over the place I am, I know my um, my parents tell me my birth song was "Don't Take the Girl." I don't know if it's a country song. It was like Johnny's daddy was taking him fishing when he was eight years old. That was okay. like, <laughs> like like it's like a really slow, sad song, and like so they grew me. Like I said, I had music in my veins from birth, and when I was six, my dad got me a drum kit. Mm-hmm. I played drums until I was ten. I guess the moment was when I wanted to play music full, just even as a hobby. They took me to see Kiss and Poison when I was 10. Oh. Then it was Nissan Pavilion. Now it's Jiffy Lube Live. Yeah. And that was like my first experience of, holy crap, I want to play guitar. No, screw the drums. I'm going to play guitar. And this is where I'm going to go. Nice. Between that moment and... uh, my early memories of listening to the Ozzy Osbourne Randy Road tribute album, mm-hmm. I listened to that like religiously when I went to bed. That was the last thing I heard. You know, I had headphones on and I had a nightmare while listening to it. <laughs> it was weird, and 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 when I woke up for some reason, I felt so driven to like start 
fully practicing guitar and take it more seriously. Oh, the ghost of Randy Rhodes came through in your Dude, dream. Dude, it was and... bizarre. Like, I, like, <laughs> I had, like, like, like visions of flames of, of some shit and, like, woke up and had sleep paralysis. It was nuts. And I was, like, 13 at the time. I think that's when that happened. Wow. So, yeah, that, I guess, I guess you no know, discovery of Randy Rhodes and you no... Know, my parents take me to that Kiss concert when I was little. I think that was like the start. With Kiss, was it like the um, the theatrics of it, or was it actually like the music? I, I th- it was both. It was both because um, you no, know, as as I'm when I really start playing guitar and start like practicing the songs, I can, if you listen to my playing, you can hear like Ace Freely with with all my bends and everything to the T. Okay. With you know, with like Dime Bag and Randy Rhodes influences too. Right. But again, more modern stuff influenced me as well. So, um, I think it was both. I mean, first time I ever saw a pair of boobs when I was ten. So <laughs> that's that pretty was, young. That was, that was definitely an influence, I guess. <laughs> it's a great thing for a ten-year-old to see, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it like? jamming for the first time with other musicians after you know realizing you know having a drum set realizing you know seeing some music realizing you wanted to be part of it and it was cool the first time i jammed hmm. i think i was 15 now 16 and um my first band was the first gig i ever had and that man the first time i ever jammed with anybody um it was a learning curve. It was weird. It felt awkward at first. Mm-hmm. And then that's like, um, like I told you earlier when I was talking about our drummer, Jay, um, it takes a lot for me to really mesh with somebody with yeah. their playing. And as soon as I do, we're on point, like mm-hmm. just absolutely on point. And it was definitely, it was definitely a learning curve. And like, it was a shot to the ego. I think I can say because yeah. I was 16, a little shithead, 16 year old, Mm-hmm. The band had one show and then we broke up. Right. And it was actually, believe it or not, a symphonic metal band. We played like Evanescence. Um, I know they're not symphonic metal. Um, but my, <laughs> yeah, I got in that conversation yeah. before a million times. But, you know, we played Evanescence. We played Nightwish, Epica, Leaves Eyes. And um, I'm trying to think of other bands. Oh, and like me and the drummer and the bass player jammed out to like Dragula from Rob Zombie and Walking Pantera. Nice. For a show, and then after one show, we end up breaking up. So, were you composing in that band, or were you focusing on covers entirely? No, just, just covers. Okay. Because, like I said, we were. Uh, it was weird. Um, in Hagerstown, we end up getting denied from the school twice. Actually, there's a Barbara Ingram School for the Arts, mm-hmm. and it just got established. My I want to say sophomore year of high school, mm-hmm. and this is like 2010. And everybody in that band, but me and the drummer, was actually in Barbaringham. Like our singer was actually a classically trained opera singer. Our um, bass player was actually in it from trombone. Okay. And then our keyboardist was in it for keyboards. And um, like we were so 
we just wanted to like because they never did anything like this well our bass player did mm -hmm. but our singer and keyboards never even dreamed of doing anything like that so we just focused on covers trying to get stuff in and get stuff done yeah for one show and then I think some argument happened or something like that. Some sixteen-year-old <laughs> freaking bullshit right. broke up after one show. So, right on. Um, how has that changed uh, over the years? Have you been able to compose more? Oh, yeah. Are you uh, are you still doing covers these days? Um, we literally last practice we've had. Um, we were talking about covers and for some reason they start playing seven nation army and almost walked out of the <laughs> practice room until until our rhythm guitar start like doing some like tight chugging i'm like all right whatever i'm gonna grab me a beer and i'm just gonna have some fun with this but um they um we i ever since that band i've been composing music or you know having co-songwriters with everything because right. i'm more of a person that's I work really well with people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that right now is my favorite part of being in bands because I get to work with other people and hear different ideas. And for me personally, that makes me a better guitarist, a better songwriter, a better musician in total. Do you, Plus a better person. Do you collaborate song. with the band when you write the songs? Is it like everybody yeah. has a hand? In, yeah, in almost doing everybody it? has a hand. Like I'll show up. Um, we already started working on new music. Um, we're going to bring back some classic songs from our old set list. Mm -hmm. um, but we start writing new music. And ironically, this time around, our singer Shay picked up the bass and started playing two or I think it was three different parts she had written. And me and her sat down and worked on it. And then we're like, all right, we got so far. And then all of a sudden, Jay, our drummer, He's like, yeah, I'm interested again back in the band again. Let's do it. And he came in. And it was like, we never been, we haven't been together in like four years, and all of a sudden everything clicked. Nice. And now we're looking at almost a completed song within two weeks, and we're now we're almost completely happy with, which is wow, pretty pretty good. Start to finish. Start to finish. That's, that's pretty we, good. We pace. got we got a couple parts we're gonna like we're gonna toy with, but but of course we're gonna write we're definitely gonna write more stuff. Okay. I was playing knock loose riffs the other day, and our drummer Jay's like, "I want to do something like that." I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I just played knock loose. You know, instead of being drop A, we're in drop C sharp." And like, I just played knock loose. He's like, he looks over at Shay. He's like, "I want to do something like that, but I know you can't do it." She's like, "I could probably write some light vocal line over top of it, get some atmosphere or some shit." Right. But she does more than just sing now. So she does keyboard. She does programming sorts of other stuff so when oh. we come back we're probably gonna start gigging at the end of the year if not beginning of next year okay just to take our time and do everything right this time because everybody got 20 things going on right now in life anyway yeah yeah and then but when we come back it's gonna be it's gonna be the same band but it's gonna be underneath a different like soundscape so to speak right something a little familiar but definitely something fresh so you've gone from kid in a bedroom with the drum set to or in a, to a, a teenage cover band to actually having a collaborative musical project where multiple people are filling in like a, a wide variety of instruments and uh, musical angles that's pretty cool yeah our um let's see like i've been in because since I'm, I'm 27 now in the past 11 years i've been in six bands six seven bands and it wasn't until I was 19 and I started getting like a, 
underground following in our local scene. And at the time, I was a part of a band called Premeditated, and we did like metalcore, deathcore stuff back then. Okay. And then that band came and went, and then No Ransom, and then No Ransom went into botched autopsy for about a year and a half, and now No Ransom's back. And yeah, right on. What's your most extravagant musical goal? Stop paying for my own equipment. <laughs> That'd be great. No, um, um, extravagant. I, I, the only thing I ever wanted, like, of course, back when I was a kid in the bedroom, like, I'm gonna be a rock star, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, was, and then you get into it and you're like, yeah, that ain't gonna happen anytime fucking soon, buddy. Grow up. And hey, you can find some people to strap some cables on you and fly you over the audience yeah, if you right. want. <laughs> right. No, my luck, you'll freaking get tied into a noose. I'll be hanging there by accident. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, a, what happened, workers' comp? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, um, I think the only extravagant gold I have is I want to incorporate. I, I want to be influential in the scene on the uh, the light of a good role model. Okay. Because I want, because I got a daughter now. Yeah. And I really stopped the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing because I can never, I tell all the time, I don't, I never want to be famous because the whole like rock star mentality of getting, you know, all types of screwed up and having fans, I, that's already happened to me just on a local level in my area mm-hmm. five five or six years ago right and i don't want that anymore you know i got a kid now it's time to grow up it's time it's time to stop you know do this sensibly yeah, that's yeah. What i'm trying to say so i like to be a good role model for our local area and just just try to get everybody on the same page because i i'm a sucker for good sportsmanship <laughs> right on. You know, I want everybody to know pe- without saying peace, love, and harmony. No, but no, it's basically a type of thing. I'm not yeah. a fucking hippie, but you know. Well, a rising tide lifts all boats and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what about a short-term or immediate musical goal? Do you have anything that you're trying to turn the corner on right now? Right now, I just want No Ransom to just keep practicing and just keep on going. I want to be more active in our local scene mm-hmm. and i'm starting to like uh, basically a lot of my friends from when i was younger are doing more prominent things than just playing in bands right now and i know you know it's like being here i'm from baltimore or i'm not from baltimore and i'm here like right. i know everyone from everywhere like yeah because yeah. i try to be a good dude to everyone um I know right now, no. I'm just trying to get no ransom off the ground and on a good platform, a good, steady, you know, vibrant way to just produce music and just just be expressive. Right now, um, I'm actually getting into dirt track racing next year. For um, I don't know if you know what dirt track racing is. You know what NASCAR is. I do know what NASCAR is. All right, think NASCAR, smaller tracks, slower cars, but on dirt. Okay. And you got, you know, you got a fishtail around the turns and get speed mm-hmm. and everything. So I'm going to be doing that 
in my local area next season, and I'm gonna try to play. I'm on. It's not official, but one of the local major booking, like music booking companies in my area, Right Live. I'm tr- talks with them on possibly sponsoring me. Okay. I would like to incorporate the racing scene and the, my local music scene and just have everybody support each other because I there's like these cheap cheap racing categories where mm-hmm. it you can take a, a the fastest car on track right now I think it's a 2004 Chevy um, Cavalier Okay. You can buy this for like a thousand dollars. Slap a roll cage on, you can go take it on the track. All right. So I came up with a concept. Wouldn't it be cool to any local band pay me or pay somebody like ten bucks just to slap their band sticker on the car and be like, "Hey, look, I'm sponsoring a car." And then go on the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's extra clout. There's extra promotion. So between that and just getting their ransom off the ground, I want, I want the damage that particularly I want the damage that was done by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. to for everybody to completely recover because right. no one really knows how connected western maryland central maryland the dmv scene truly is mm-hmm. until you really get integrated in it because i like we talked on the parking lot i talked to you about last time i saw you um you're out western maryland playing the wilson ruinton yeah with ralph way back i think it was like ralph fortress um butcher's hill i think it was some of the bands back then yeah probably yeah. i was like 17 or 18 at the time Mm-hmm. So, um, you, you know. saw various incarnations, Champagne Wizards, and uh, yeah, some yeah. other stuff. There was, <laughs> we were I, doing I think there was one band, I was like Dinosaur Vomit, I want to say. Oh, there. Vomiting Dinosaur, yeah, 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 yeah. They were fucking cool, man. Yeah, they, they had really, uh, really good riffs. Yeah, I was, I had long hair at the time with, uh, I think I had trips on, I was karate chopping in the fucking pit <laughs> or some bullshit because me and my buddies went out and. You know, we went out back and smoked some weed and then went into the mosh pit and had fun. I'm like, God help me. I don't well, remember if we mentioned, uh, we did record the intro separately, but I think we might have mentioned the hair. So the hair is gone the, officially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, I dyed it black. Oh, and it okay. started like, it started like, the only way, like, it started like frizzing out all the, like, the fucking hair molecules and shit from dyeing it black. Oh, uh, okay. So I just cut it off. And then I rocked a mohawk for a year and a half, two years, and then I just had to cut it all off again because I'm. I hate to say be more professional, but I gotta say I'm trying to be more professional. Right. For work. Yep, I understand. And I had to take all my piercings out too. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> How about personal milestones? Have you ever had a moment in your musicianship so far where you feel you've reached a personal milestone? Is are you talking milestone as like an like a, just a high point in general? Can there be more milestones down the road or just certainly? One? Yeah, yeah. Just right now, as of right now, like what's what's uh, something that really strikes out to you as like, wow, that was a thing that we did. Well, um, I'm trying to think. Well, I know I had I did a headline show for my first time with botched autopsy. Mm-hmm. Um. Brandon Wright from Wright Live was very impressed with us and gave us our own headline show. That was cool, but again, it was the first time headliner show and no one showed up. Right. Like, it was just playing with us and the bands, and the bar we were at was some redneck 
die far out in the boonies. Great place to play if you get a crowd to come in, but the locals are just like, you know, rednecks who just got off of lunch and just want to sit there and drink beer and go out back and chain smoke Marvel Reds. So yeah. they didn't give a shit. But that was still a cool show. And right before my daughter was born, or was it right after? It's right before my daughter was born. I went to the Blue Fox down in Winchester, Virginia, and I did a guitar competition. I placed third. Wow. Okay. So that was a big deal for me. Cool. Um, funny enough, shout out my homeboy, Connor Mallory. He's in a tech death band called Deathless. Back in the day, he was in Fear, premeditating Fear played with each other quite a bit. But um, he placed second, and he has me – him and him and the guy who plays first had me beat by a mile because they're both technical players. But the guy who also plays first has been doing this since like 1978 and done roadie work for like Motley Crue and Poison and Kiss and all. He knew all the tricks of the trade, so it's like okay, whatever. But it was kind of cool being placed third and actually being matched up with those two as a player. Yeah, yeah. Because I got, I don't, I got some anxiety and self conscious confident issues when it comes to even just playing especially after i'm sure when no ransom plays our first show i'm gonna be a mess because first time in like two years i'll be playing probably right right but being regarded like that was actually pretty special and plus when when i was up there playing and i got off stage everyone that was drinking beer ran up and started trying to buy me shots and buy me beer <laughs> right i could have probably placed better if I wasn't so drunk when I got back up on stage. Right. Because when they, we had to do the actual guitar battle, so to speak, I got on stage and I was wrecked because some lady <laughs> just bought me a pitcher of beer and two shots of Jack. And I'm, I'm a small dude. I don't drink much, especially after my daughter's born. I haven't drank at all. But I was absolutely a mess. Plus <laughs> still was, got third. Plus it was April 20th. It was 420. Oh, so right. I'm like, you know, my roommate at the time was a total stoner so i'm like oh great this is gonna be good well, guess what buddy <laughs> what looks like you're driving yeah yeah but that was cool right on when it comes to creating music and art are there subjects that you just won't touch uh lines that you won't cross uh controversies things like that you don't want to be a part of <clears throat> i so no racism, no homophobia, no xenophobia, no, no anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. I, I'm big proponent of, uh, despite you no, know, I'll fully man, I'm a country boy. I grew up in our city, Hagerstown, though. But I deer hunt and fish like a madman. Mm -hmm. Our singer told her brother the other day and compared me. Um, what did she say? She she said I was a democratic version of Ted Nugent. <laughs> I fucking hate Ten Nugent. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I deer, I've been deer hunting as long as I've been playing music. Uh -huh. I hate Ten Nugent, but um, yeah, the the whole racism and stuff. Now, um, before No Ransom got you no know, got back together this year, the original bass player of No Ransom, mm -hmm. me and him were talking about doing a side project. The where it was going to be heavily, um, it was going to be across uh, over punk and country. Mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, punk and metal, but it's going to have a really hard country, you know, kick to it. Yeah. And we were going to call it, and you know, keep this in mind, um, 
my buddy Ray, he's my best friend since I was 18. He's Puerto Rican. He has a really dark sense of humor. He wanted to call it White Trash Taco Truck. Okay. <laughs> and we wanted the lyrics provocative. And I kind of wanted it to be like, you know, music that a bunch of, you know, country guys can get together and drink beer and, you know, go catfishing, you know, yeah, do yeah. all that yeehaw shit. But at the same time, um, once you actually dig into the lyrics, um, you see a, like, left-leaning, like, not completely left-leaning um, pol- political things, like, I remember some of the songs I, I I wrote one song that was comparing to um, um, I'm trying to remember it, it was it was comparing to like um, police brutality mm-hmm. to animal abuse because I'm like very anti both okay and just like how people are so sick in the head that they can shoot an animal like a dog like a pet mm-hmm. I know kind of hypocritical being a deer hunter but you know but somebody that can do that to a pet and be so psychotic and messed up in the head that they can go out in the street and do that to a regular human being right you know it's you know comparing one of the two but that that one was going to be probably the most provocative project i was going to do now these days you got to be more self-conscious about your lyrics a thesaurus is a great thing in this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, all in all, as long as long as everything everything's really on the table, as long as it doesn't support racism, homophobia, no anti LGBTQ, anti no just bigotry in general, yeah, stuff just, like that. Just nothing bigoted. Cool. Um, come from the country I, I see a lot of it plenty of it <laughs> right yeah i've spent a fair amount of time in southern maryland and it's kind of pervasive down there as well actually ironically um speaking about southern maryland one of my favorite um modern country acts i know i just bad mouth modern punk country but um they're called brothers osborne they're from southern maryland but they moved to nashville and how they got big i forget what town they're from but they do like a heavy country rock type thing and they really don't do the whole jesus act either i mean they got some religious lyrics but not like praising praise jesus oh lord and no, none of that bullshit right but they're actually from southern Maryland. they're really good i mean really really fucking good that was actually one of my big influences too hmm i'll have to check them out <laughs> Um, as a musician, what is your relationship with the term success in music? And do you feel successful? Um, success for me is a can be personal to everyone. So honestly, to me, as long as I'm happy and being creative, I feel successful. As long as I'm bringing joy and positivity to a degree, I know heavy metal being everywhere you know you know right now cradle filth t-shirt and the whole fucking blood and yeah, yeah. you know and all that shit you're ralph being death metal and all that stuff and, you know people would be like oh that's dark evil music but us as metalheads we see it completely differently mm-hmm. so for me being successful i got to make myself 
feel happy or I gotta be happy and be expressive or I should make other people feel happy and be expressive themselves. Right on. Because I, my, Hagerstown itself and Baltimore got hit with just the same, but the opioid epidemic smacked us upside the head like a mm-hmm. ton of bricks. And I watched a lot of lives get destroyed in our local music scene because of it. So if I can be positive enough to try to get everybody off of drugs and more with a guitar in their hand instead of a needle in their arm, I feel successful. And I feel really successful the way I am right now because I make a lot of people's day. I'm a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, despite the custody stuff that I'm going through and then um, a couple other, well, I know financial issues I got right now, but who doesn't? Um, that's a downer, but I feel very happy. So I feel successful right now. Cool. Especially being here. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thanks for coming in. It's no, all about uh, hearing the personal experiences of people who play music of all genres, all levels. You know, Hopefully we can get someone really big in here to talk about their personal experience and shed some light from the other end of the spectrum. She get somebody from Dying Fetus to come in here. It would uh, that could be possible. We'll have to see. Really, we'll reach oh, out. Oh, I'm excited. I think the guys from Dying Feet is still practice right across the way. So, oh no shit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know I was in that part of Baltimore. Holy crap! <laughs> like I said, it's been a long time since I came down this way. Yeah, they're pretty busy guys. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. So I'm not sure. I mean, maybe I'll, they, I'll reach out. Are if, they on tour right now? Uh, possibly. Hey, if you're in Dying Fetus and you're watching this podcast on YouTube <laughs> or listening to the audio version, reach out. Uh, MedusaHeadMedia at gmail.com, and we'll definitely set something up in the oh, future. Cool. So, what has been the most difficult part about making music or being a musician for you? Um... Even though I just said this about success, but honestly, having a positive working environment. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, everyone everyone's their own person. You know, everyone's going to have a bad day. Everyone's going to, you know, you know, not come to practice. So, some, some online, you know, goes like that. So creating a positive working environment and maintaining it, number one, I think that's the hardest thing. Because... You know, sometimes shit happens. Yeah. You know, being being the age I am now compared, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I was a teenager, you know, like I said, back then I was a shithead and a, kind of a negative individual to be around. And it took some time to learn and, you know, become an adult, I guess you can say. Yeah. You know? um, just trying to get that positive work environment. And, you know, scheduling happens, you know, just trying to be flexible. And plus the jobs and everything like that. And working for my parents right now, or been working for my parents for five years straight now, and probably got at least almost just shy of a decade worth of experience is a major pain in the ass, especially living in Hagerstown and driving two hours east or west or south or whatnot, and then trying mm. to get back before band practice. I'm usually the one that's always late. I'm, I'm uh, that okay. asshole. I try not to be, but... Yeah, it happens. I always give everybody an hour call, heads up, so... Right. Um, so, I'm not sure how much you were affected by this growing up, but 
at a certain point, Napster came out and made music essentially free with peer-to-peer downloads. Afterwards, it was LimeWire, Kazaa made music free, peer-to-peer downloads. Uh, burning CDRs, which wasn't really new. People always copied mm-hmm. tapes and stuff. But uh, for my generation and people younger, music was hugely devalued and is only now worth 0.0001 cent per stream. I think it was point, zero, zero, zero point 0.009. Something like that. Still not enough money. Not, not <laughs> enough money at all. So um, do you believe that the songs have monetary value? Um, yeah, the, eventually the songs do have monetary value. Um, I remember an interview because Cradle – I gotta stop talking about Cradle of Filth and Cradle of Filth T-shirt on, but um, hey, Cradle of Filth's great. I'm down with I it. Just <laughs> saw him. I saw him in October for the first time. I was been trying to go see him for like five years now. Okay. And shit keeps on happening. Yeah, yeah. And I finally got to see him back in October, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. But you know, me being me, I spent most of the time in the mosh pit instead right. of watching. <laughs> so, no, but I, uh, Danny Filth said this interview. That if he was start a new band now, straight from scratch, he would have done a demo so you can have music, mm-hmm. and then focus on a music video. So you can't have a band without music. You can't have an image without music. Right. So music these days feel like you're trying to sell. Like you must have a soundtrack to something you're trying to sell in demo. It's like a package deal now. Yeah, and. It, it kind of sucks, but it's kind of good. Uh, we need more, honestly, for me, stuff like this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then back, you know, my area with the Wilson King podcast and, and Right Live and, you know, and more media. We need to flood the market with more media for the local scenes, for the smaller bands. Because the only thing the smaller bands have is music. It's right. the only thing we got. So in order to bring their music to a limelight hear somebody listen to it for free on spotify and then hey i really like this band well i'm gonna go buy your physical copy now right you know it 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 seems like music is just a platform to sell something else is what it feels like now right yeah do you think that being a musician is a viable job anymore if you market yourself right if you put enough effort behind it yeah but at the same time yeah, sell your soul somewhere along the lines in order to make a quick buck. Right. Is what it feels like. And you can't, you know, it's it's a tit-for-tat world out there. I mean, being in the, hell, just being in the fire sprinklers business and watching my family grow their company, I, I just on that and how cutthroat construction is yeah. itself, the music industry is just a whole other ball game. So, yeah, it's just, it's just a super cutthroat world out there with just music in general yeah maybe if you hustle you can get there yeah you're just, de- definitely gonna have to have the hustle to yeah, even think the, about the trying hustle, it. i actually i think the most underrated quality in order to hustle is actually the patience everyone can hustle yeah. everyone can hustle not a lot of people can be patient the consistent output yeah, and, and the, just keep on consistent the grind you know, stuff out have the reason why me and no ransom is trying to do stuff slow because 
you know, Jay has three kids. Our drummer Jay has three kids, and then he owns his own business now mm-hmm. with um, um, the Doghouse um, Restaurant in Hagerstown. Okay. They do like artists. The only way to describe is a really good hot dog shop. They serve beer. <laughs> they serve all types of beer. They don't serve liquor, but they serve beer. They serve artisan style hot dogs and burgers. Okay. And he makes really good money at that. So that's his you no. Know, he got that going on, and he has I think like three kids. I'm, I got a two year old daughter, which just absolutely changed my world. Mm-hmm. And plus, working for the family, you know, everybody got jobs, everybody got some. So instead of trying to come back and be like, yeah, we're gonna play shows this summer, it was like, oh, let's just let's just just carry this on and let's try to get a product out that we feel proud of and we fully enjoy and like. We're going, I think the plan is, is possibly recording a EP mm-hmm. or, you know, trying to get some media out there before we start playing shows. Right. So again, it goes, ties in, it does, does music have monetary value? Yeah. The music sells something else. Right. So we put music out there. We can probably encourage more people through social media and everything to, you know, buy ticket to a show yeah buy merch it's like a promotional tool for the live performance um what do you do to finance the music these days work (laughs) it's purely nine to five yeah purely nine to five um it's there's really no other way now i need to diversify my income portfolio i want to start getting the stock market a little bit and try to start you know Doing all like the online app, apps and whatnot. What's that? You know, what's that? What's that one online software that to- totally screwed up the GME last year? Oh, uh, the Robinhood. Yeah, 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 screw those guys. So I'm not gonna use Robinhood <laughs> when I do that. Um, I know people who still invest stocks in GME just to screw with people. Yeah. I'm like, why are you throwing away all that money? You just, just, just kill the damn dead horse already, man. Stop kicking. And they're like. I'm just making millionaires lose their, their funds. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Um, what's your favorite piece of equipment that you've owned or used? Um, Holy crap. I'm trying to think of all the stuff I have. Um, I, it, it's weird right now. Um, when I left botched autopsy in February, 2020, I bought that day. I bought my first tube amplifier Okay. and I have yet to use that live. So I don't know if I can include that, but that's an egg and air Armageddon. Okay. And I replaced the tubes. I cranked it up. I got boosted. The, the, the clean sounds awesome. The overdrive's definitely lacking. It's kind of like a, dual rectifier copycat right almost but since i'm not having used live that's probably my favorite piece right now but my main guitar is a um it's a 2003 esp um viper okay and my cousin got it's solid mahogany like everything it's super heavy i replaced the pickups in it with a dimarzio um tone zone and seymour duncan distortion which a push pull coil tap that i got my buddy connor mallory from deathless to do the wiring in it okay 
and he also replaced the saddle bridge because the you can see with your Schecter up there and all the saddle bridge on there but it has a Nashville style roller tuning bridge nice that is really it, I highly recommend these things the sustain on it's incredible the tone of it is really nice it stays bright and crisp longer and the string life just quadruples it's it's absolutely amazing what those little bridges can do and then I went out to Home Depot and bought a push-pull coil tap for like five bucks. <laughs> nice. And just slapped it in there. But that's that's my main guitar right now. And so. that, that's been uh, the goat for all time, hey? Um, before that, my main guitar, um, my parents, it was probably my parents, um, the guitar they bought me when I was, I want to say 14 or 15. It's a Dean Flying D Inferno. It's they made 2007 only. The bitch of it is it's all bass with body, so right. it's kind of like it's not much weight. Just it's a pickup platform. <laughs> yeah. So I swapped. I re, I swapped pickups out of that. It had some weird ass Alcano um, pickups with flames on it. Mm-hmm. I mean the guitar looks beautiful. Blue, white, silver flames. Flames going inlays going up the neck. It looks, but it's just a total showpiece. Yeah. I did replace the pickups with the old classic John Petucci setup with liquid fire and um, tone zone, mm. push pull coil tap, Nashville style roller tuner. And I was using that for the longest time. But when I picked up the Viper, I'm like, oh, this is what actual freaking mahogany body sounds like and feels like. I like that better. Yeah. So I've been using that for the longest time. Right. How much gear is too much? Um, when you can't move in your house anymore, <laughs> when I can't, you know, um, I never had like a, every time like, right, like right now I'm in the process, my old amp, um, I had a, I have a black star ID 100 head. Mm-hmm. It's just a total modulation head. Um, I'm going to trade that. I got a free old crate modulation head and I'm going to try to sell those and sell some other stuff so I can go buy a Line 6 Helix. Okay. Because I found out with the Helix platform I can run cables into the Egg and Air head and then control the onboard effects and the tube amp itself all push a button. Alright. I hate that tap dance routine. I've been doing that for years. I had <laughs> enough of that crap. Time to go more streamlined. For, now for studio time I'll bust out the analog pedals and get that sound. Yeah. But for live performances, I can't get to. Like, I want it to sound great, so I'm going to use the tube amp. Yeah. But with the effects and all that, I'm just like. Do what? you get uh, what they call gear acquisition syndrome? Sometimes. 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 <laughs> um, Are you in the hole right now in, in a spiral buying no, stuff? No. Um, because of the holidays, I hate this time of year, by the way. <laughs> um, um, I'm financially strapped right now because right. of the holidays and everything going on. Um, so I haven't spent much money recently. I do catch myself um, Salone's music out in Hagerstown. Um, I catch myself there all the time where I'm like going in to buy just just a pack of strings. I'm like, well, I need picks. I need that. Well, how about a <laughs> harmonica? That'd be cool to one day just you know just go and sit back and I'll do that and just be like. 
Oh shit, I can't do this. Just just get me out of the store. I need I need a pack of strings. That's all I need. But if I walk in when I was younger, now this is way before my daughter was born, I walked into Atomic Music out in Beltsville. Yeah. And I lost my mind in there for a solid like four hours, five hours. Mm-hmm. And I walked out with I only walked in there just to see what they had and I walked out with like $2,500 worth of guitars, like used guitars and hands. <laughs> I was just going to take them home, strip them down, repaint them, and do everything to them. And I'm like, no. Because one guitar turned into another, and then another guitar turned into another. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a seven string. I really want a seven string. Oh, man, you know would be cool? I want an eight string guitar. Fuck that. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, but that, 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 that signature guitar is actually the old Jet Luma signature. I'll get that too, screw it. You know? Yeah, yeah can't do that right. <laughs> like yeah, it gets harder as the years go by and you start you know you you stop being a teenager and start factoring your family yeah, I got the holidays. All the bills. like i remember i have my own or i rent my own townhouse and i'm gonna try to buy a house within the next year and then all that other crap going on yeah and plus right on. i just hit the deer i just hit deer with my truck yet like two weeks ago so i just had to pay to get my truck back Whew. jeez yeah, fucking, fucking deer. Our condolences to the deer from the Thrash Life podcast. I actually ate it. <laughs> Shout out to dinner from the Thrash Life <laughs> podcast. It wasn't in bad shape. Pick it up. I, I like when if I ever like like I said I deer hunt and fish a lot. If I actually have to do kill an animal, I don't let anything go to waste. Right. That's like a horrible thing for me. That that's that's against my morals right there. So I ate a lot of crazy shit before in my life, but <laughs> I can taste. I can tell you right now, most of it don't taste like chicken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any hobbies or passion projects outside of music that fight for your time doing um, music? Oh yeah, outside of work. Um, no. Also, got a daughter too, and I see her. I stop everything I'm doing when I have my kid, but um. You know, I again been deer hunting and fishing since I was six. Yeah. And um, that takes a lot of my time. Actually, probably after I leave here, I might end up going fly fishing down because there's actually quite a few fly fishing spots around Baltimore. Oh yeah, I know a guy who uh, does a lot of fly fishing around here. Um, yeah. So I've been been one trying to come out here, so I figured I'd take the opportunity. But you know, fly fishing, deer hunting a lot. and now, starting next year, like I said earlier, I'm going to get into dirt track racing. Right. I got an 83 Mustang hatchback that an old man bought All right. for me. Of course, the deal is, I'll buy you the car, but I'm going to stick my company's name on the car. And I'm, of course, I'm like, <laughs> isn't that how it's supposed to go anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's how sponsorships go. So, um, so yeah, next year I'm going to be doing that. Um, you know. Outside of that, I just work a lot. Um, those four things and playing in bands, you know, it's the only thing that takes up my life. Of course, I go and see family a lot. And, yeah, yeah. You know, back in the day, I used to play paintball and do all that other fun stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paintball. Another time consuming, kind yeah. of expensive oh, yeah. hobby. I didn't know how expensive it got for until it was too late. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm already $1,000 worth of gear. Thank God I'm only 19. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
thousand dollars in and it's just like wow there's still five thousand dollars worth of stuff i could get that looks really nice yeah, in the right. catalog I, I it's like it's like fly fishing i got into fly fishing because the pandemic shut down the state of pennsylvania to a out-of-state fisherman and uh-huh. that's like half my trout season right there my dad's like well how about you go try out the local tri- no, fly fish only streams mm-hmm. okay whatever he's like well, go out to walmart i saw some fly fishing stuff out there i walk over to walmart you know go to professional regular fly fishing shops you'll buy like you'll buy a rod reel all the setup and be set up and probably spend almost a thousand dollars i go to walmart i paid like 250 bucks got myself completely set up and i was sitting at the stream nice granted my gear was shit yeah i didn't care i was just <laughs> i'm pretty confident in my ways when it comes to stuff like that so i was catching fish anyway i'm like all right whatever yeah don't always need the best stuff to, to have a good time now, so. even with music man i'm i'm very well known of going through pawn shops and like scraping through stuff yeah yeah because you'll always find a, a gem actually i just got for, for free mind you for free i was given a marshall triple super lead 2000 wow. by a friend of mine he was actually one of my former co-workers he does like a side gig where when people move out of their houses he needs somebody to come in clean it up and get everything done well his next door neighbor moved and he's like well, i got three amplifiers over there take them wow give them away sell them i don't care take them so he, he calls me up he's like hey junior hey i'm like what's up dude and he's like come down here as you possibly can i got three amps for you you're gonna love them check them out and i walk in there and it was the crate the crate modulation head that i'm trying to get rid of yeah it was a marshall acoustic combo amp mm-hmm. and then it was the marshall triple super lead the only thing that was bad in the triple super lead was a blown tube and that was it yeah i'm like you know that triple super leads like in the condition it's said probably about around eight hundred dollar amplifier right he's like i don't give a shit get the fuck out of here <laughs> 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 yeah, merry christmas to me <laughs> yeah, yeah right on um could you tell us about your most recent project and where people could find you and your projects on the internet like i said no ransom's coming back that's gonna be my one and only for now mm-hmm. um you can find us right now nothing's active quite yet because we just like started practicing again like three months ago right so you eventually you'll find us on facebook instagram youtube no ransom um you can find me i'm on tiktok on uh, reloaded 333 um my instagram i think it's bjnoel8765 okay couldn't remember how to change it from my email address but <laughs> um youtube brian Noel jr or sorry youtube with the bj i know el8765 you can catch me on facebook you know brian Noel jr um same thing with all my you know the bands and everything we right just, just general social media pages if we should you get me back here next year, I want to be a lot more prepared to be like, it's like, yeah, this is what we just did. This is all, all right. the socials are set up. So definitely uh, go throw Brian a friend request and follow his TikTok and stuff, and you'll probably find out more information on No Ransom as soon as he releases it on those platforms. Yeah, no, on top of that was all the racing stuff and all that other, all my other hobbies I got going on. I post, I actually got a small following thanks to the hunting and fishing stuff just nice maybe about two dozen people if i'm lucky but you know hey i mean on there. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to uh, got to pay attention to the things you like, and right. if you're into fly fishing and and uh, driving cars around in the dirt and all that other good stuff. And... Yeah. So you, you like loud music and you like crazy redneck shit that isn't like bigoted. You know, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, Brian, thanks you. Thanks to you so much for coming in today and having this conversation thank you for having me man it's nice to see you again yeah it's been great uh seeing you i haven't seen you like i said earlier since uh a show at the wilson Ruritan hagerstown years and years and years ago i was i remember when goat horde played there and there was like 10 people in the wilson (laughs) region i was like 14 or something like that just sneaking in the corner I saw that some people are uh, showing up to the Wilson Raritan again, and I can't make any promises as to as anything that's going to go on in the future. Got a lot of different musical things going on, but uh... yeah, we um, I I want to right now in Hagerstown. There's a new skate park that's coming in, uh, the because we like I said we were hit pretty hard with the opioid epidemic and all that stuff. Yeah. But we are coming back in a big, big, big way. So there's going to be more places to play. The scene's going to open up more in Hagerstown. Like, we even got a new baseball stadium coming in and a new skate park, for Christ's sakes. So Hagerstown's going to bolster pretty quickly here in the next several years. Cool. And, you know, Winchester, Martinsburg, West Virginia, Virginia areas, that's where I usually hang out and play shows at the meantime. Right on. But hopefully... I'm hoping more clubs or just more underground friendly venues open up. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I love the Wilson Ruinton because mm. I love going into places like that and just like, you know, everyone that's above 21, there's a free keg back in the corner. Everybody else just, you know, stay the hell away from it and go jump in the mosh pit and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no like bar regulars cussing everybody out for the music being too loud it's just a bunch of like metalheads <laughs> hanging the hell out and listening to some extreme metal yeah yeah thrown down in the pit a little bit and having some fun yeah well i hope the hagerstown scene truly does blossom in the next couple of years i hope your band uh you know spreads its wings and gets out there and yeah. we'll probably check in with I you think, in the I future have me back here about a year from now and I guarantee you things are going to be a whole lot better, a whole lot different than what it is right now. Thank you for listening to Thrash Life, Episode 5. It's been a blast talking to our guest, Brian Noel Jr., Metal Man of Hagerstown, the cryptid himself. Yeah, I just uh, sincerely want to thank everybody that's listened this far and uh your time means a lot to us right on yeah definitely thank you kyle for coming in here in the studio with me thank you brian for coming in here in the studio with me thank you for every one of you who watches or downloads the podcast and listens throughout the week thank you to everybody who subscribes leaves comments leaves reviews lets us know what we're doing Feel free at any point if you're watching or listening on any platform to provide your suggestions or hate mail in any form. We just want to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. So we record this every week in Baltimore, Maryland at Orion Studios. You can find their website online in the show notes below. Also, 
This podcast is a production of Medusa Head Media, overarching umbrella for many things heavy and weird. If you'd like your band to be recorded or released or have merchandise or anything like that, feel free to reach out via email to medusaheadmedia at gmail.com. We'll try to get back to you in a timely fashion. Thanks once again, and have a great day. See you next Friday.